106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition my condition was in. I woke up this morning with the sun down, shining in. Him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sun down, shining in. Lord, what base station Jackson? I'm talking about Matt Byrne on the board. SB Futures down three and a quarter, and ASA Futures down 32, so we're a, a tad tentative before the big jobs number today. Tentative. Uh, we came back yesterday, it would be like unchanged if being down pretty heavy during the day, which you sort of expect before a big news item. And of course, if you had been smart enough, lucky enough, whatever, to be short for the last four days, I don't know why you wouldn't have covered last night uh, and said, it's been a really nice week, see ya. Uh, so I, w- cer- I certainly would have. Matter of fact, we were a little short this week for uh, a lot of our people, a little bit, not, not crazy, because most of our people uh, want to be long. Uh, and we turned everything around yesterday. We did a whole bunch of trades and ended up being neutral to a tad long. So I mean, just it just seemed time to cover. I mean, we may end up going a lot lower and whatever, but we may not. But mm-hmm. it was time to after four days. You kind of go, you know what? I, I've ridden this. This horse seems a little a little tired. So whatever. So we'll get numbers today and we'll figure out what everybody's doing. And and uh, well, we got Kevin and Carl. We'll figure out what's going on already. Do we have yeah. Mr. Kevin. We do indeed. What's up, bro? Oh, good morning. How's everybody in, at uh, at Stocks and Jocks World Headquarters doing today? Uh, we, <laughs> we we made it in without without incident. Only had one guy sleeping in the doorway down the block. Yeah. Uh, we've you know we got some issues in the in the, in the area, and uh, you sent me some stuff, and actually Audrey sent me some stuff, and it was fairly interesting the conversation with uh, Karen Reeves the other day, and how it turned into, and she seems like. Uh, I mean, she makes. Uh, she's not afraid to say something, which is terrific. Well, she didn't yeah, want me to. Yep. She didn't want me to lead her into. Uh, <laughs> she obviously she's personal friends with Lori and some of the other people, um, but didn't didn't stop her from criticizing. But I said, no, I'm not going to ask you to talk some treason. Don't worry. Let's just you know talk policy. <laughs> um, she again. Remember the scene in the uh, was it in the uh, the quiet man? Well, let's let's go to the bar and talk a little treason. I like that. It was a great line. <laughs> The uh, well, a lot of people are doing that now, aren't they? <laughs> I don't know if it's treason exactly, but they're not happy with stuff. But anyway, uh, she she said, well, you know, whatever possessed people to st- to stop doing vocational training in schools. And my buddy Bill Murphy said when he grew up uh, southeast side, he went to Mendel, 
which is which is a male boys high school it's no longer there and uh he said CBS at one point had 5,000 students in it before they had a Chicago prep or a college prep program. It was all vocational. Now they were right next to U.S. Steel, South Works. They were right next to all those places, Pullman, you name it. And uh, that was the demand. And I, So then you, you sent me some stuff and, uh, and so did Audrey. Uh, actually, what she sent me was, uh, from, I'm not a big fan of the Epic Times, but uh, it's, you know, they're not horrible. And uh, so this guy is Kevin Stockland. actually wrote this article. I don't know if you saw this one, Kevin. What happened to the great American worker? And I'm going to say that uh, I'm not an expert on this, but you could certainly see it coming when I was at Pullman. Uh, there were three generational people that were there. All of a sudden, everybody's gone. And I, you, know, you can make the, the claim, now this guy does in this article talking about uh, people not wanting to work hard and, and blue-collar uh, stuff has come out and there's a guy here talking about he'll pay you $70,000 to come to the oil fields and you're two weeks on and two weeks off and you know it's a lot of dough and he's making a whole story here about not only the people but this this, this is actually kind of interesting uh, Kevin uh, uh, it goes back to what my mom told me when they were in high school or, or school here in, in, uh, in Chicago you know basically during the depression um, you know, she said they, they didn't think you learned anything at home. The, uh, the, uh, they, they taught you basically how to, how to take a bath, basically, how to cut your toenails. They didn't assume, she said there was no homework, because they knew nobody was going to get help when you went home. You're going to help at home. So everything was done in class. They, they knew exactly where they were with, with the people they were dealing with and, and acted accordingly. And, uh, and you, you got to wonder... If maybe the same sort of scenario shouldn't be happening here in a lot of areas. Anyway, he says, uh, not, uh, despite generous pay and benefits, keeping workers is just as hard as finding them. Once they realize the physical requirements of the job, and in many cases, Gallego says, not only do they lack basic work skills, like what a crescent wrench is and a pipe wrench and how to use a hammer, they also lack, lack basic life skills. We have to teach a lot of people how to wash clothes and cook food and that kind of stuff. Doesn't say a lot, does it, for people? No, it really doesn't. Um, so I, I don't know that that's as much a problem. That I'm sure that is. And, uh, you know, every college now, uh, or at least I, I can speak to ours, I, I won't speak to anybody else's, which is, by the way, not DeVry Tech. Uh, it is Ivy Tech. Um, Did I say that wrong the other day? Oops. <laughs> Close enough. What's the difference? You're in the ballpark. Yeah. Um, it, it, the, the, the word tech was in there. What more do I need? Yep. Um, Anyway, um, uh, the uh, um, you know we we have uh, you know, most schools will refer to them as as wraparound services. It is basically any service outside of academics um, that you need for your life that will keep you uh, to eliminate uh, reasons that you won't be a successful student. I guess is the best way to put it. So that can be anything from you know, loaner laptops to counseling skills to, um, you know, connecting you with child care to, I mean, you name it. And we have people that do that. Um, so, you know, the life skills issues that come, may come along, um, you know, there are ways to address them. And, uh, and so, I, I, you know, I, I think there's a need there, and it's something important. Uh, it's an important service to provide, whether it comes from an employer, whether it comes from a school or whatever. 
part of the discussion that you had with Karen was about, um, you know, the, the idea that everybody, you know, the, the, the notion that everybody should go to college. And, and I get what your pushback is on that, Tom, but it's, it's what kind of college, what kind of training, and, and is uh, CTE training mutually exclusive from, uh, you know, the more traditional uh, um, uh, academic curricula? And I, I would say it is not. CTE is career, career and technical education. Um, so, you know, it, uh, the, but we need a lot of people with those CTE types of skills. So, for instance, the, the programs emphasized in the state of Indiana, and the state has uh, a grant for this, a, it's a Workforce Ready grant. Anybody, if, if you don't have a college degree but you do have a high school diploma, you can get, you are eligible for the Workforce Ready grant. The state of Indiana will pay for this because they have decided that uh, um, IT, business, um, uh, supply chain management, uh, uh, robotics and, uh, and, and uh, manufacturing automation, and uh, missing old construction, that those are industries where they have critical labor shortages and they're very, very important to the uh, success of the state. These are also, this is also training in the kinds of jobs that uh, for people who grew up in poverty would move them into the middle class. So, you know, so there's, there's a nice economic convergence there for what the need is and what's good, you know, what's a good step, what's a good advancement for people. Now, you know, in, in my world, uh, anything, any of those uh, degree programs except business um, you can get from your community college, you can get it at a certificate level, you can get it at an associate's degree level. But the, the, the business degree, I would uh, say that an associate's degree is a nice thing, in business is nice, or in accounting is nice, but it really needs to then continue at, uh, at, into a bachelor's degree to be really valuable to the individual. Um, yeah, I'm going to say... I, I don't know, Kevin. I have, I have this weird thing. I, I, I like to be able to talk. I, I, I don't. Know, my my family was odd. Okay, they were so happy when I went to college. But yeah, uh, I know your family. But my not. my uncles and those people, they had high school educations. Yet they were rabid readers. They knew how to read drawings. One became a master tool and die maker, and ended up uh, constructing you know huge printing presses and stuff. Uh, there was no. You could sit there and talk to those guys about the money supply, and they knew what the hell you were talking about. I don't. I don't want somebody. I don't want to pigeonhole people. I'm, one does not. What well, first of all, you're not, and I said they're not yeah. mutually exclusive. Yeah. Period. Uh, that you can you can do both, and you can integrate uh, concepts like that into the rest of your curriculum. Right. But here's a question I have, and I have a, I mean, as you know, a long history with the blue collar thing because of my Pullman stuff, and even all Vanlines for that matter. How do you how do you uh, show people in this world? I mean, here's a guy talking about um, oil, oil service. First of all, seventy grand is not enough to 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 be in the middle class if your wife's not working. It's 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 good dough, but I got to believe if you're working two weeks on, two weeks off, you can probably get a little overtime in there and make it a hundred. But that's that's another story. But how do you fight the battle, Kevin? That when I was at Pullman, literally there were I'm going to say twelve hundred people in the two plants. All skilled. Well, some weren't so skilled because we had a, we had trouble hiring people even then, and they were skilled. But by the way, this is not a new issue. They went from uh, 
back in the 50s and 60s, in order to get a job at Pullman, you had to be able to read a drawing. When I was there, they had pliers, screwdrivers, those things on a on a big board. You've identify what they were. Then they put you in training. So there, there was there was this drop off in in skill level, entry level skills. His, I mean, even then you had the CVSs and the Tilden Techs and stuff that were winding down. So this this is not a a 2022 issue. I mean, this is going on a while. But I'm, I'm going to say, you know, in in defense of people, why would anybody who worked for Pullman in his third generation, it was a welder, or was a joiner, or joiner is like the, the railroad term for carpenter, or anything like that, a tool and die maker or manufacturing engineer, there was no reason for those people in their 30s and 40s to ever dream that Pullman was never going to get another contract. And all of a sudden, everybody's out. Just out. You're gone. And I, I, I doubt very seriously if they're able to move to Youngstown to get a job or someplace. I think they're just out. I don't, I don't know what the hell they did after that. I mean, I don't keep track of some of them. Uh, but or many of them a long time ago. But how do you how do you how do you say one of the guys we play softball with on Sunday morning is one of the young kids. He's he's going somewhere. And he's becoming a diesel mechanic. My brother Dan says, why why, why would you think in twenty years this, this you know where the White House is heading? We're gonna have diesel engines. You know what are you even doing? I mean, it, it's really hard. This oil and I'm skipping around here, but this oil field guy a year ago. Or after after Trump couldn't wait to, you know, I'm blaming him personally. After Trump, when, when the price got down to 28 bucks, they couldn't wait to turn off all these oil fields. What the the guy hasn't had a job for two years. My one of my nephew's friends is an iron worker. Okay, when, when you do something on the tri-state, he has a job for a year, makes some dough, and then he's off for it. The, the, these are these are crap careers, Kevin. Or, or we've made them crap careers. Right. Okay, so so let, let me let me bridge the gap, and then I want to talk a little bit about you know uh, reaching into how it reaches into the high schools. Um, one is that hey, I'll, I'll take my own program as an example. Okay, so I have supply chain management. The, 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 but you learn, you know, there's there's and we have uh, embedded in our program industry certifications that the students can sit for the exams. And uh, and so they have these really great line items on the resume, and we have them in purchasing, we have them in quality management. You can get a quality management yellow belt. You can get um, uh, a transportation certification, and uh, I'm missing one uh, transportation purchasing. Oh, logistics, and, and so we you know we uh, logistics. I love it. These are all these are all uh, uh, certifications that come from third party industry groups. Um, so they're not, you know, they're not. It's not my say so. It's they, they have to they have to pass the exam. It's like sitting, you know, if you're if you're an accountant, it's like sitting for the CPA exam or right. something like that. Um, so uh, so that that's part of it. So one is some of these certifications are really really durable, and you know you're always going to need purchasing people as an example. Um, but we also spend a lot of time talking about the skills that you're going to need to be successful in the future as more things become automated, as more functions become integrated. And so we get, you know, we spend a lot of time, um, even though it is, you know, it is CTE-style education on uh, uh, personal skills, soft skills, the ability to do research, the ability to get up in front of a group and speak, the ability to work in teams and to work successfully in teams and and work on diverse teams, the idea that... um, uh, that uh, you know you're really good with numbers and analytics, 
um, it, you know, it, and, and I could go on and on and on about what all those skills are. Hell, I talk to employers and, the, and I say, what do you need me to, you know, to, um, uh, to develop in my students? And they said, well, can you get me people who show up on time every day? You know, that's well, always the first thing they say. And then we laugh. And then they say, but no, really, I need people who can show up on time every day. Um, so a, a lot of those skills are baked into what we do. And that, you know, and that's really important. The thing is, you know, it's, it, in many ways, it's a shame that I have to do that at the college level. Right. But none of those are ingrained in students at a lower level of their education. I guess I'm, what I'm, what I'm, I guess what I'm ragging about here, for lack of a better term, is somehow or another, by, by ridiculous governmental policies, Kevin, and I'm gonna, I guess I'm going to take the right-wing side here, well, they're just as bad, uh, We've, no, we've I don't think it's a wing no, because I, uh, I, I, if if you say right wing and left wing, then how do you find out? Yeah, that well, I'm, I'm saying so much. Well, well no, but what I'm, what I'm, I guess where I'm going here is that a lot of the careers are being determined; they're being cut off or not cut off by governmental whim, and I, and, I, and it's really hard when you're planning a career. Now, I know things change. I mean, I, I get that. I mean, we're not making buggy whips anymore. Um, well, who knows? California might be making them again. <laughs> if they all go electric cars with no power, but uh, anyway, so but but I know that if there's a huge, they won't have to worry. They won't have any people yeah. after they pass their twenty-two dollar minimum wage. Yeah, well, it's if, well after, um, well, twenty-two bucks is what uh, forty-two grand a year. How the hell do you live in California for forty-two grand? Yeah, it doesn't matter. The, yeah. the, the, what they're going to do is they're going to they're going to pass the, the bill. It's on the governor's desk right now. It, it's it's that they can. Uh, uh, they can they can raise the minimum wage for chain restaurants up to twenty two bucks an hour, which you know theoretically then wouldn't expect uh, an impact the little guy, except that the little guy is going to have to match that, or otherwise all you know yeah. uh, independently oh, yeah. owned restaurant, otherwise all his people are going to leave. Yeah, when people go say it's the chains, people say stuff like that. They shouldn't be in office. They don't know what can happen. Anyway, I guess what I'm saying is yeah. Well, their yeah. whole legislature passed uh, it. I know. Well, well duh. I. I uh, Guess what I'm saying is, is, you always want change. You always want pro- progress. I mean, I, as much as they're very skilled people, one of these days, if, if somebody wandered in here at your place and he had a, a cure for cancer that was one pill, and everybody who ever was in the chemotherapy business was thrown out of work, you know, I, I guess that's progress. And, and and those people probably can are easily educatable into something else. But I mean, there, there's no reason for. Uh, Know, Pullman to go under every railroad car for the next twenty years being made overseas. I mean, if you had a well, you do have kids, but if I if we had a young kid who was in college and he wanted to become a a nuclear engineer, and all of a sudden you pick up the paper and Commonwealth Edison is they don't if they don't get money from the government, they're going to shut down their nukes. Well, you sit there and go, what kind of a job is that? I mean, these the, the whims the, as much as it takes to to learn these professions, and all of a sudden you get the whim of some guy going, ah, we're going to get rid of nuclear. Well, someday maybe we won't have nuclear. We'll have hydrogen or we'll have something. I'm not saying there shouldn't be progress, but the progress is not taking your railroad cars where you had a 1,000 people working there and shipping it overseas. That's that's not pro- And all of a sudden some stuff's coming back, but why would anybody, I mean, if you're any, just, I'm going to get on a topic here after break about the Federal Reserve. Why doesn't why can't people listen to this guy and do do what they say he's going to do? Because he hasn't said a, a word of truth in the five years he's been there. Nobody believes the dude. So I mean, I'm saying right now for me to be a aerospace. I guess we're still going to have planes. I guess I could take aerospace engineering for five years and bust my ass. 
but somewhere along the line, we might say we're buying all our planes from Airbus. Screw Boeing. I mean, I mean the, 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 the people have been taught, Kevin. I think, unfortunately, that a lot of these businesses are not these functions are not life work. They've been taught the hard way. Their old, their old man's tossed out as a welder at age 45, and he can't go anywhere. And all of a sudden, hey, there's a shortage of welders. Well, duh. And I'm just, I, I, I get that, Tom, but when we say, you know, uh, a lot of stuff is, first of all, when a, a lot of stuff does get farmed overseas or it moves, and, you know, people can't necessarily move where the jobs are. Um, but there are things that, you know, better and worse things you can do to keep yourself anchored in place so that it's harder to move where the jobs are. But that's that's a, a side issue. The, the, the question we're really wrestling with is, you know, what what's the role of uh, you know of being in college and you know and the importance of it and are you know uh, what career skills do you really need? So, you know, there's there's the specific career skills that you need for your next job, and there's a lot of information about what what jobs are hot and what jobs are growing, what jobs are going to be. You know, uh, really hot for five years, for ten years. Uh, just go to Onet uh, uh, online, and and you can find a lot of that kind of information. And so that's that's good stuff to know. Can it change? Sure. And this is why you have to go back, and you have to have an emphasis on what are the durable skills that will transfer into all kinds of different businesses and different lines of work. Well, I guess and what I'm so, saying. So yeah. I, you know, I I teach specific skills for what people need. But I also teach what skills you need to be a successful employee I would in agree. any business. And I, I'm, I'm all for that. But I'm saying you have to have you you have to have your eyes open. I mean, if I piled out of college, man, I wanted to go to college. I mean, out of high school, you know, I was a big kid, pretty strong, you know, and a great athlete or anything like that. But could I have, if I really didn't want to go to school just yet or didn't know what I wanted to be in, and, and somebody dangled a, a you know a, a oil filled job in front of my nose for seventy grand plus you probably could work another week and do four so you could make it a hundred uh would I go do that for you know a couple of years put two hundred grand in a bank is well, what are you gonna how are you gonna blow it out in the middle of Wyoming? you know and then they decide when I'm twenty what I really want to study and do some college or maybe not maybe these guys send me to a uh, an engineering school out there or they have classes and they train me and all of a sudden I'm a an oil field engineer, you know, that, that could work out. But, but nothing in my mind right now would tell me that I'm 50 years old, just where the government wants to go, that I'm going to make a living in oil fields when I'm 50. I mean, I, maybe I will, but maybe. So you have to be aware of all that, I think. That's what I'm saying, Kevin. You know, I, I knew the jobs I didn't want to have, the jobs where, I would, you know, heck, I was, I, worked, uh, I was a construction worker for a sewer contractor when I was in college. If anything ever convinced me to go back to school, it was that I didn't want you know, when by the time I was in my forties, it, it was good, honest work and hard work. But I didn't want to do pick and shovel work when I was uh, when I was in my forties. I, mm. I just said, "Okay, back to school. Here I go." Did you know? Ed, um, did you Ed know Ed Norton? Uh, I did not know Ed. I didn't work in the sewer. I worked you know, in new construction buildings, new buildings, um, and an auger crew drilling under roads. And just remember, when the guys. The guys anyway, you meet coming we, out of the sewer, you meet into them a little bit into high school and how, you know, some models that really, really work. And I, I just, before the break, I, I just want to mention, because there was this discussion of when we, when we really started to say everybody should go to college. And my, you know, my interpretation is that was uh, a function of the Obama administration. That was when it really, really started to get emphasized that college for everybody was really important. I, uh, um, I, I think that's it's a perspective of people, especially people who go, you know, to elite colleges. 
I think it's a perspective that they often have. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, it was good for me, therefore everybody should do it. Um, but I'm not sure that, uh, I, I think it's a little too exclusive. Now, the other side of the coin was we were in a really, really bad recession at the time, and the Obama administration did fund a whole lot of college. So, and that included at the community college level. I, so, uh, I'm going I'm to say, without, without saying anything good or bad about uh, Barack, I'm going to say that he grew up on the south side, probably not. Maybe not as blue collar as we did, but <coughs> yeah. Well, well, but I'm saying it, it didn't take a whole lot of strain on the brain to figure out U.S. Steel's gone, Pullman's gone, Hawthorne Works is gone, Reams gone, Continental Can's gone. If you, if you're going to get anywhere, you better go to college because those jobs were were, were were dropping like rocks. I, you know, I think that, that that's an observation. Well, you, you better you better have training. You, you better be able to do something other that's, than those jobs, whether that's, that's college or not. You know, yeah, I don't know. When, yeah. he, when he went to college, do you think we still needed electricians? Do we still yeah. needed plumbers? We still need them today. Well, Mike, you can do really well if you have an electrician group or a plumbing group. Now you charge whatever you want. SP yeah. Futures down 6. SP Futures down 38. Be right back. Stacks and Jacks. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market, along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates and a good inventory make adding bricks and mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. So are you going to get another job? I don't think I'd like another job. What are you going to do about money and bills and... You know, I've never really liked paying bills. I don't think I'm going to do that either. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Right now. Yeah, I don't really like paying bills either. 
What do you think, man? Me neither. That kind of sucks. I'm done with them. Done with them. Done with that. SP futures down seven. Nasdaq futures down 39. Dow futures down 45. This is before the uh, big number. They're looking at about a $300,000 number. Last month was a huge outlier at 528. We have the phenomenon. uh, In fact, Karen was talking about the other day. Sometime in a family, people have three jobs. The wife has one or two, and the guy's got one. It's Hmm. I don't know. I guess those. I guess they all pile up, Kevin. I guess. Matter of fact, there was a. Uh, I don't see too many. I don't read the papers all that much. I mean, the whole paper I should, but you don't see too much of the. Uh, what do they call the guys who draw little cartoons? The uh, uh, what do they call it, Matt? It's a. Uh, what's the term for it? The guy who draws the cartoons. The little cartoon anima- animators. No, I'm talking about the one in the paper. The little little thing where the, where oh. the, the president has a big ears. He, oh, he's okay, got a huge okay. huge ears in the picture. Oh, anyway, caricatures, man. Yeah, caricature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the and, uh, and one guy goes, Clinton's was giving some speech in this place, and the guy's drawing the thing, and he goes, "I've created like two million jobs." And the guy mm-hmm. serving him the rubber chicken goes, "Yeah, and I got three of them, or something, something <laughs> along those lines." Yeah. Anyway, Nikkei down ten, call that flat. Uh, Shanghai up one, call that flat. Hang Seng, however, ouch, ouch. These guys down one forty-five point seven percent, nineteen thousand four fifty-two. Again, way below. Uh, boy, where they started the year, uh, they're not in good shape. Uh, Nick Dax up 151, 1.2%. FTSE up 37.5. CAC around up 28.5. They must think the number A is going to be decent. Uh, whatever decent is, now that we're good news is bad news again. 10-year uh, year rate, sorry. Minus 1 basis point, 3.25. It's still in the high end. A bond, uh, positive 2, 1.59. Japan unchanged at 0.24. Uh, oil, uh, up, up a buck 55, but still under $90, 88.16. Brent, but buck fifty three ninety three eighty nine natural gas down eighteen nine oh seven. We've got gold. Whoa, gold's actually bouncing here. It's up seven fifty seventeen sixteen. I've got some clients that think it, it kind of bottomed out here at the uh, seventeen hundred sixteen ninety eight number last time. We're maybe thinking to get a little long in there. Maybe, maybe. But uh, I can't say as my prognostication on gold has been the best. Silver up ten cents seventeen seventy seven. Copper up down a penny three thirty nine. We've got uh, Bitcoin up a dollar ninety-nine to manage to leak back over twenty thousand to twenty thousand zero two seven, and we've got the U.S. dollar point nine nine nine. The euro is against the dollar, so the euro is still under a buck. The pound uh, one fifteen, which is very low as well. Matt, what do you have for us? Traffic, weather, sports. Hey, good morning. Currently six thirty-five a.m. on Friday, September second, twenty twenty-two. In the MLB yesterday, September first, White Sox win seven one against Kansas City Royals. Diamondbacks with Milwaukee. Diamondbacks win 5-2-0. Cubs on break. Come back tonight to face off against St. Louis. Catch that at 7.15 p.m. Uh, Weather uh, in Chicago. uh, Currently mostly cloudy downtown. Currently 71 degrees, a high of 88, and a low of 71. In Phoenix, mostly clear. Currently 86 degrees, a high of 104, and a low of 84. Now for traffic in Chicago. Traffic eastbound on the Eisenhower between Wolf Road to Desplaines Avenue. Keep in mind a six-vehicle accident before Desplaines Avenue around exit 21A. Expect delays up to five minutes. Traffic eastbound on the Kennedy between Cumberland to Lawrence Avenue. Traffic starting up uh, westbound on the Dan Ryan between East 31st uh, to the Jane Burton Interchange downtown. And finally, uh, traffic north uh, northbound on the Stevens between Illinois Route 171 to South Kedzie Avenue. And as a bonus, uh, traffic northbound on the Lakeshore between uh, East Roosevelt Road uh, to Ur Randolph Street. That's all I got, Chief. Back to you. The, uh, I think, Kevin, one thing we can we can both agree on is you really have to, uh, I would, as, as people were taking uh, the courses uh, by you, I would sure say let's 
guys, let's take one one accounting class. Let's take one economic. Let's do something. Let's not just put all our eggs in one basket. Because I tell you what, I, I I couldn't pick a career right now. Could you? For that you'd be at to your seventy. Well, let let me tell you how it's working. It's very successfully in in some places. So I I sent you some information about academies of Nashville and and what they're doing with their public school system. So, uh, you know, it started out, I mean, they had such a bad graduation rate that if it backed up 20 years, the state was about to take them over. Um, and so they, they actually got pretty radical in how they changed things. And so it starts with, you know, uh, developing interest in their case. And so what they do is uh, they spend a lot of time in eighth grade, ninth grade, uh, exposing uh, their students to all kinds of different careers. I mean, you name it, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't matter whether it's nursing or IT or, um, you know, maybe, uh, or accounting or whatever. You know, not a lot of not a lot of kids are going to say, "Oh, accounting, that sounds really cool," um, because it doesn't sound that cool all the time. But uh, but what they do start to learn is where their aptitudes are. Um, and so they, you know, it starts with explorations where everybody gets to explore. It gets really specific. When, when some student says, I want to be a nurse, they actually have them spend some time figuring out what a nurse does, what's, you know, what, what goes on in the hospital. Uh, because if you get there and you decide you don't like the sight of blood, you're probably better off looking at something else. Um, this uh, uh, woman who is one of the uh, people in, in charge when I visited there, uh, told me the story of her daughter. Her daughter had spent her whole life wanting to be an engineer, and she worked hard through high school, got good grades, did a lot of math and uh, and, and a lot of science, and uh, and was successful in it. And then got to college in two years and said, "I really don't like this." Um, so she changed majors and uh, went on the five-year graduation plan and got a degree in communications. And, uh, and was having difficulty finding a job in the communications field. So she started working um, as a re- just to, you know, to pay the bills, started working as a receptionist in a physical therapy office, got interested in it, decided that this was where she wanted her career to be, and she finally went back to school and became, you know, got all the uh, education and credentials she needed to be a physical therapist, and she loves her work now. The point of this being, if she would have had exposure rather than the single-minded focus on you're going to be an engineer, right, uh, through her whole high school career, that might have been averted. It might have, saved, first of all, saved a lot of money, but saved a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of grief along the way. So they have built that into their program. The second thing that they do is that they have a very, very, uh, um, a thriving partnership with the business community. The, uh, a local community college and the high school uh, curriculum. And so each of these high schools gets uh, gets a designated specialty. So you can take your college prep if that's what you, you know, if that's the curriculum you want and you, after you've been exposed to all kinds of different careers and you decide that's the right path for you, you and your family decide that's the right path for you, then you go college prep. But if you want, uh, you can uh, you can focus on different types of industries and different types of, types of jobs. And so what they, the students wind up as juniors and seniors taking a lot of courses that get them both high school and college credit. Um, they have, uh, you know, they, they get their uh, um, instructors 
either from the college or uh, or certified, um, you know, credentialed uh, to uh, to teach college credit courses, and they get the businesses involved and they do project-based learning, which is a really really good approach, especially for high school students. They, it, it, it's not just that you study accounting, you get an accounting, you know, you work on accounting stuff. Well, that's uh, cool. It's not that you study construction, you actually do construction, you know, wh- whatever it is. One school uh, where, uh, where I talked to them, because the hospitality industry is so important in Nashville, um, uh, that they had a, a, a they, they were the hospitality hub, um, but they decided that they wanted their students, the, the, uh, the lady who was mentoring them was, uh, ran a travel agency, and, um, and they wanted the students to know that there is more than just hotels and, uh, and restaurants in the hospitality industry. They, uh, so they decided that they would teach them about uh, a cruise liner. And what their project got to be is that they actually built, they got some space in the building, and they built out a mini cruise ship. So they had entertainment. They had kitchens and culinary arts. They had, and, and you had to pre- prepare men, uh, meals for large numbers of people. They, they got the nursing program involved and had uh, a, um, uh, um, uh, an infirmary uh, and set up an infirmary in it. They had the, uh, the oh, they also had a morgue because every have a morgue, yeah. has a morgue. And then they did booking, <laughs> they built out booking systems and t- uh, ticketing systems and a website, and they got the IT people involved in that. And this became a year-long school-wide project um, that they did to get credit. So they'd spend some classroom time on what they need to learn to do, and then they'd go do it. And this is how they built out their program. And so, you know, and, and, and I think I sent you a PTEC as well. PTEC just considers everything they do a six-year program, that it is, it's, you know, it's freshman year of, of high school through associate's degree. And, uh, and so, you know, these are the things that are really, really working. So when Karen talked about, you know, things that we have to do differently, this is the kind of stuff that does it. I would absolutely agree because uh, I, have a, I have a whole different, as you know, Kevin, but. Uh, what's the term? A, a, a screwed up view of the world by the way where my careers have taken me, and I and I know you, but but it's but I'm it's on all my fourth. Well, I'm the difference between my bumps in the road and yours is mine have always been government generated. Every single time, I, I went to work for out of school. I only went there for. A brief period of time for a specific person, a purpose. I went to Allied Van Lines, not to move people's stuff, but they had all these people all around the country. <clears throat> they were individual agents. <clears throat> they had to be part of the, the Allied system, or else I mean, you needed somebody in Cleveland, you needed somebody everywhere. That was a whole part of the system. Now, the reason why there was an Allied Van Lines is because in order to move anything, you needed this uh, paper. I mean, you needed uh, well, you needed a license essentially to move somebody from. From Illinois to Wisconsin, you couldn't just go do it. In any interstate commerce, you had to have a permit. Well, the permit Allied, what they did is they had they had get a uh, universal permit for all their agents that became part of Allied to move anywhere. So that's why you saw every little agent in some little town was was a it was an agent of either Allied or Mayflower or Beacons or there was like four of us, and because uh, because otherwise you couldn't go anywhere. So. 
but it was a it was com- pretty competitive and they had really great people work there and I got to meet a whole lot of good people I got to go out on the road and go into small businesses and help people out it was a spectacular education for me it was never going to be a, a career all of a sudden there is no Allied Airlines there, there is no Mayflower because all of a sudden anybody can go anywhere so the government that, that for years and years and there are all these people worked in like the log area because you had to make sure you kept everybody's logs and they had probably a hundred people that worked in there that all the, the guys that come over, they'd, they'd send their logs in, and you had every driver that was anywhere. But it was a massive thing you had to do governmental-wide, and these are terrific people. All of a sudden, one day, they're gone. The, the, the building is down. It's a, it's a parking lot. Then, then I went to Pullman that, that did contracts, essentially, with the government. Well, they had the Pullman Freight, did it with the, you know, did it with the railroad cars, but basically, the passenger cars, was every one of the things was with a governmental agency now, New York, Chicago, Amtrak. All of a sudden, eh, screw you guys. We're, we're going to do everything with, uh, they put everybody out of business, Bud, St. Louis Car. Then they decided to go overseas and start messing with those guys. Then I went to the trading floor where a 1,000 people are making a living. The government decides, no, we only want three firms making all the money, and these 1,000 people go pound sand. So there, there's three times. Well, plus ICX, the same way. I, did, I worked weekends at a Illinois California Express. They went out of business when all of a sudden everybody could go anywhere you wanted to go. So there's four places at work, Kevin, that by governmental whim, every single person I worked with had to go find a new job and a new skill and was just out. I mean, it, it's, it's quite a track record. So, so you can see why I have a different view of the world because everything well, was yeah, governmental. If, you know, it's, I think it's you. Oh, I, without a doubt. Well, I think it's all your fault. Hey, Notre Dame's uh, still there. Marist is still there. So I'm saying, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. See, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, they're not the common denominator. You are. Well, uh, anyway, the, the, yeah. But but you you had transfers transferable skills, and that's the important part. So yeah, if you think you know, if you think um, you're not transferable because uh, because uh, you know you're you're maybe oblivious to how accounting works, um, I, I agree with you, and so. That's why I throw a bit of accounting in every course that I have, just at least some really basic level accounting, not just debits and credits, but you know what's a, you know how financial statements work and how you know how they're read and what you have. You know what I always tell my IT students is, you you want to buy the good toys, you better be able to put your proposals in the language that your CFO can sign off on. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean one of one of my constant themes is. Look, I'm throw, I'm putting this in the course. It's something you need to learn. I'm trying to help you be a better professional in your field. But in your field, those are the same skills that would be uh, for a person like you transferable, so you can move on to the next thing when the time comes. Well, and I think and I, I think that's I think that's really important. That can't be left out of education. So you may have very focused career tracks and career education, but that doesn't mean that you ignore the rest of it. Well, they used to have, and, and, and they probably do it. Did you ever hear an outfit call it? I don't know, they may not be around anymore. American Management Group or something, AMA, I think the American Management Association. They used to have a, a big, uh, what, what's the, I don't know what the place started out as, the, the hotel along the uh, Kennedy would had the, had the first big dome swimming pool with the glass on top so you could swim in the wintertime. Was that a Holiday Inn? I don't know what that was. But right next to that place, somebody built this big building. It was all classrooms. And it was, uh, uh, they would take a topic, and, and, and Allied was really big on this. I mean, even though I had a graduate degree, they said, hey, how strong is your, your marketing? And I go, I don't know. I took like one marketing class. Well, here, here's a two-week class where all they do is talk about advertising and stuff. We'll pay for it. Go. I mean, I didn't have to stay there. I mean, I drove home. But well, virtually everybody there stayed in that Holiday Inn or whatever the hell it was. I think it was a Sheridan. Uh, 
So every week there, there was probably 30 classes, 20 classes going on where people did that. I mean, uh, where, you know, people in, you might have been a, a, a CFO and said, whenever these guys throw these marketing terms around, I don't even know what the hell they're talking about. You could go do that for like two weeks, and it was pretty intense. You know, we're talking eight hours a day for two weeks. It was, it was a real class. I mean, I, I, I suspect there's still stuff like that around. You can take, do you guys do that for adults too or no? Um, I'm actually doing uh, a non-credit right now that Ivy Tech lined up for, um, uh, I, I, well, I don't, I don't think there's any harm in me mentioning a teacher's credit union, which is statewide in Indiana. So um, every couple of weeks, uh, I'm conducting, and, and this, their, their topic is leadership. They've identified uh, a number of their young people who are not in leadership roles yet, but they expect them to move up to, you know, whether branch manager or whatever. And uh, so I'm, I'm doing the uh, leadership training for them right now. Well, you're using, uh, what's his name's old book, The Economics of the Credit Union, Croto? Uh, no, no, J.T. Croto in there. Um, I actually do have some curriculum because they really wanted curriculum. Um, left to my own devices, I would do it, uh, you know, uh, a little bit differently. Uh, so I, you know, I, I have to weave in my own content. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I have my own uh, principles for leadership that I've developed over. But I need to write a book. So once I get a book published, then I can actually use that as uh, marketable content. But the thing is, I just don't have the patience to write a book. Yeah, it's a... Uh... <laughs> so, that's a, that's a um, tough. But, uh, yeah, that's why, you know, one day we're going to have the Stocks and Jocks uh, um, business retreat, and uh, and then our listeners can come and hang out with us, get an intense several days of uh, uh, of exposure to the likes of you and me and Lou, and maybe, you know, we get bring in Hal, and we bring in uh, Carl, and we bring, you know, we bring in everybody, and uh, then uh, somehow or another, though, we have to tie it to the jocks part of the equation, so we need to have a ball game built in there. Yeah, yeah we got to do something. But so, would, yeah, tweet at us. The listeners, tweet at us if, if that's something that would interest well, you. Well, tell you what, I would uh, I would be first guy in the first row with Russell teaching about volatility and stuff, because nobody knows it better yeah, than he does. Yeah, I mean, imagine, uh, you know, that, that some, of the, some of the talent that we have, just make me the MC. I'd be happy with that. Well, he, um, he's, he, what's he at? Is he on his third? The talent that we have available... Um, would uh, uh, would you know be pretty darned insightful in a lot of different areas? I mean, you can imagine, Lou. Uh, you know, we we have a lot of small uh, listeners who own businesses. Uh, imagine the uh, information they could get from Lou in a few sessions that might keep them out of court someday. Well, that's the truth. It comes to uh, uh, labor law. Well, what's Russell on his? Is that his third book or fourth? His book on volatility is spectacular. I think his last one is. Uh, uh, Investing like uh, what's his name? We have Momo. Uh, he just turned ninety-two. Kind of oh, um, Warren Buffett. Yeah, thank you. And he wants me to uh, to do a. Yeah, that would be the only problem. None of us will be able to remember anything yeah. in, in mid-sentence. Well, he wants me to write <laughs> a uh, thing on the back. Uh, what do you call it? A testimonial. And I said, "Geez, what do you want me to write one for?" And he goes, "What do you mean? You guys got like the, the longest running finance show of that quality anywhere in the country?" And I go, "Well, yeah, I guess we do." But I, I, never, I never think of myself that way. I just, yeah, I mean, I'm like, look, you know, the first thing is they look at my name and say, "Who the hell is he?" But maybe, he goes, "What are you talking about?" A lot of people know who you are, so okay, fine. Uh, oh, so you did the you're, you're, you got the blurb, huh? Yeah, well, I, I, he, he, I just said yes. That was like three weeks ago. He isn't, uh, you know. Yeah, so you got you got to write the blurb. Well, uh, I thought maybe he'd write it for me or. Blurb. Yeah, I could write something. I mean, does he want me to? I don't know. If, well, who writes it? Him or the publisher or me? I don't. I, I don't know. You write it. Huh? Right. You gotta write it, man. Right, it's gotta well, be. I, uh, you know, it's gotta be real. I could do that. No, but uh, he, very talented guy. Hal, uh, 
Same way. I mean, Hell's Fleet teaching at three colleges. You hear that the other day? Yeah, he's at his yeah, old. I did. <laughs> God, it's I, uh, I did, and uh, yeah, I don't envy him that. that well, I, I don't know. He's teaching three courses. I guess it doesn't matter where you're teaching him. So, uh, what what will be interesting to hear from him as he gets going is how different are the student bodies? Um, yeah. You know, the, well, the, the, the one know, place is Mennonite. The whole flavor to each one, and uh, you know, I, I get it from from uh, term to term. It sort of depends. You know, I, I, I one of the classes I taught in the summer, I'm teaching it now. And the students are scuffling. It's, it's uh, informatics fundamentals. And one of the things they have to learn in there is, you know, that the idea that the computer counts in binary. Uh, you know, we, we as IT professionals uh, deal with the binary translated into hexadecimal because it's a neat translation, and the students have to master that. And, uh, you know, I talked to the software development chair uh, there and said, uh, and, and he was, Complaining that he spends a lot of time teaching hexadecimal before he ever gets into coding, and so I said to him, "Bill, just let me focus more on that in the informatics course for you, and I'll send them to you ready for that." Well, now I got to back that one up, <laughs> and it, it was fine in the in the summer when the students just latched onto it right away, uh, but now I got a group bunch a group of people in the fall, and half of them are just really scuffling with it. So you know, we're just doing drill every single class. Matt, do you have any idea what hexadecimal is? Hexadecimal. Base 16. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You base count 16. in base 10? Well, imagine counting in base 16. Uh, I think I'm out on that one. No, I'm good. Well, Kevin, I guess well, we're uh, a lot of what has transpired in the last few years, I mean, with uh, stuff heading to China no matter what or overseas, now some coming back, we absolutely have a, um, no matter who you read, left, right, whatever political stuff, the message coming through in every article is the, the the jobs that we have don't necessarily match the skills of the current workforce. Now the question is, there's people looking to fill that void, you being the most on this show, but I think... Well, that, that, I, I, Tom, and just to throw in on that, that's why I like what the state of Indiana is doing. They have chosen what where, we, where the, the focus needs to be and said we will support that. Okay, but it, it still doesn't I mean, I, I'm with you, and, 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 and there's a process to this, and there's a time to this. But, I mean, there's, there's clearly, if, if there's, what's, what are they anticipating? I'll pick a number. 40,000 people laid off in the, in the mortgage industry. Uh, what's it going to take to get 2,000 of those people to shift over to uh, machine mechanics or something like that? I mean, I, that, but that's a big shift. I mean, is it even possible? I remember, not, not to cast any aspersions, but whenever I say that, then I immediately cast aspersions. Back in 2008 fiasco, uh, uh, Matty was just out of his guys were all just out of school, and every one of them got laid off. And uh, so there's like seven or eight guys, and, and I said, you know, hey, if you want me to, I can still probably get us, uh, you know, houses to paint on the weekend, and I'll teach you guys how to paint, and we'll, we can knock off a house a weekend if there's six of us. Even with me being little, not going up and down ladders like I used to, no interest, Kevin. Absolutely none. I mean, and. I mean, is it is is there uh, is there a, a a lazy component to the current workforce? Is there a I don't ever get dirty component to the current workforce? I mean, you and I didn't do that. I mean, I I worked on a truck dock, throwing the things around all night, and was happy as a clam because I made money on Saturday night when nobody else did. Uh, you know, but I mean, are there people who would say you're not you never get me to throw a box around? I mean, it, it, how invasive? How 
Well, there may be, I, and I don't know it's, that, that it's necessarily what I would call lazy. In, in some cases, yeah, you're darn right. It, there, there is a laziness to it that you know, uh, or an aversion to manual labor of any kind. But I, I also think it has to be pretty disillusioning, uh, especially when you consider the price of college nowadays. To go through, you get your college degree, and uh, and someone says, "Well, you know what? You want to make ends meet? You're going to be painting houses." That's got to be, that, that's a little harsh. That's, that's kind of life uh, bitch-slapping you pretty hard. Yeah, but you and I did that and when we were in college. We, we were never, we never yeah, played a bit of it. Yeah, I understand that. You yeah. know, you, you and I did a lot of that kind of stuff together in college. Um, you remember driving out to Marseilles? <laughs> I, I remember the lady wanted us to finish it that day, and we had spotlights on the porch and painting in the dark. I don't think that turned out too well. <laughs> <laughs> One thing you don't want to do in the dark is paint, man. No. <laughs> but she was insistent. She's having company the next day, and I'm going, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but that made her... So, but at any rate, yeah, uh, you know, but so I, I think there's a, a lot of factors in play. Um, and some of that, you know, just it, it gets back to, you know, the, the really why are you going to college? Uh you know, when I get a lot of, uh, in, in supply chain management, I get a lot of working adults. They're coming back because now they're saying, okay, I've been working in, in you know, manufacturing. I've been working on the production line or I've been working on the, um, uh, uh, you know, in the warehouse and uh, or in shipping or, wh- you know, whatever field. And they're saying, I, I, you know, I'm ready to be a supervisor, a manager, you know, whatever it is. And I need some additional training and some de- skill development to get there. Um, and that's a, that's a different motivation than someone who finished high school and they're sitting in the classroom because yeah, I don't know. I think I'm supposed to go here. You know, the the family expects me. I you know they told me I'm going to college. Yeah. It, it's not necessarily the student's motivation. So now you you drag your butt through all of that through four years of that. You're not the most motivated student going. You know, sort of like the difference between me as an undergraduate uh, who was perfectly happy to party in, in, in any given moment, and if that meant blowing off class, so so be it. Uh, and then me, who decided to go back and go to graduate school, um, and uh, took it seriously and basically had no life because I was so committed to school for two years. Well, I think there is a... Uh, while, while I was working and while I had a family. Okay. So, it, you know, it's, it's, some of that is, is what's the motivation behind you being there, and then is, is the real world proved to be disillusioning? Does the real world, you know, not measure up? And you're saying, I gave up what? And I, this is what I get? Uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot well, of that. Kevin, and that can be managed as well by doing a better job with kids when they're at the hi- at I, in high school. I absolutely and getting agree. focused on places where they can do well. The question, though, that we'll ask and nobody else will ask, and are we at the point where I know in some neighborhoods, if people have nothing to do, uh, you could pull up with a bus and say we're paying 25 bucks an hour breakfast and lunch, and by the way, we got this whole forest preserve area to clean up, and at the end of the day, there's a shower and a fresh set of clothes for you. I I think a lot of people feel that in some neighborhoods of the city, not one person's going to hop on that bus, because you're not paying as much as the drug dealer, and it's no, nobody wants to do any work for a day. I, mean, I don't know how, I think that they're probably right, I hope it's only in very narrow spots, but I think a lot of people don't want to do anything, Kevin. I really do. I mean, uh, I, it, it, you, it, you may be right, uh, especially that you know when you're saying I can do something like deal drugs and, and get there. But I, I will offer that um, if you go into a more legitimate line of work, you have a whole lot less chance of being shot or going to jail. Well, I mean, if you stand up on any one of these bridges, I know that it's pretty hard for somebody to slide out from a bedroll on a bridge and work a full day. But I don't know, Daniel, those people 
with the drug stuff that's going on there? Does anybody want to actually go do something? I, I think I think it's, I think you're a ways away from somebody working eight hours. Yeah. Now I will tell you that uh, because you used the bus example is uh, um, a friend. I, I've got him on my uh, advisory board, and uh, Ernie's business is he started it because there was a need. The high-paying jobs were in Elkhart. A lot of people in South Bend didn't have reliable transportation to get over there. Uh, to get over to Elkhart, you know, public transportation is not no, good horrible, in your yeah. county here, and uh, um, and you know if you don't, and, and so if your car breaks down, you have a really clunker car and yeah. it breaks down regularly, you're going to be late for work a lot, you're going to miss work, and you're going to get fired ultimately. So Ernie's business was he got he got hired by or he still is uh, his business, he, he gets hired by companies who want him to bring employers employees from South Bend, get them to work on time every day. And uh, and they they pay him to do that, and so you get people from the community who benefit by being able to hold a job that pays well, pays in the twenties, uh, versus working fast food if not, if working at all. And so and Ernie makes money uh, running his business, and uh, and the businesses do well because they aren't covering for lost hours with time and a half and dealing yeah. with high tur- higher turnover rates and all of that. And you it's see that really good win win. See that kind of Take on a winery tour. Well, and, uh, we got a dash here, Kevin. We see that down here with like Northwestern as a bus that takes you from the Rock Island to Northwestern and stuff. You see a lot in the city here. SP Futures up a quarter, NASDAQ Futures down 16. Be right back, Mr. Carl Denninger, talk all about this labor report. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at cognoshr.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. 
I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here, right now, right now. We got no food, we got no jobs, our pets' heads are falling off! Hello, Northbank Stacks and Jacks, I'm Tamao. It's Red Burn on the board, SP Futures. Up 25 cents. Uh, NASDAQ futures down 15, kind of just like it is uh, on a lot of days when we have the uh, the big uh, jobs report. And all those days, we also have Carl Denninger. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about him all week. I hope his ears have been burning. Carl, how are you, buddy? Well, you know, they do. They do. <laughs> well, you know, we uh, had some interesting stuff this week. We had a. It is kind of stunning how uh, uh, both sides of the uh, political spectrum, when you get intelligent people, uh, I, I did, you know. I sort of, I guess, I should have realized it, Carl. But uh, Karen really brought brought home the fact that during the, you know, somewhere along the line in the '70s or maybe late '60s or someplace, the Chicago public schools made a huge decision to go away from uh, essentially, uh, you know, vocational training of any sort. And I, and I don't, I don't know where that came from, Carl. I mean, it's a. Uh, I, I think a lot of it had to do with all the businesses, le- the factories leaving here. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it was... Now it appears to be a really, really dumb decision. I don't know when you have every single manufacturer leaving the damn city. I don't know that it was that dumb at the time, but I mean, it, right now it appears like it is dumb because all of a sudden these jobs are flowing back when nobody thought they would be, I guess. you know. I've well, I th- it, you know, it's, it's funny because I, when I was in school, uh, in junior high, we had a shop class. And and the girls all had to go take home ec, right? And the boys all took shop. And you know, of course, today that's you know that's sexist. You can't do things like that. But there were t- there were two things that they they taught you how to do in shop class. Uh, and one of them was to be able to run a wood lathe, and your project was to make a lamp. So you had to turn the base to be a round base, and then you had to make the spindle up for the top uh, out of laminate, you know, basically laminate pieces of wood together with, with clamps and everything else, and then chuck that in the lathe and, and make it round with whatever design you wanted on it. And, uh, you know, then you drill a hole down the middle, and you know, that's where the corn goes, and da-da-da, you, you have a lamp, right? Um, 
And then they showed us how to use the metal lathe. And the final thing was we learned how to weld both stick and gas. Mm. Now, this is a junior high. Yeah. Okay, so by the time I got out of junior high school, uh, I, I wasn't any good at welding, but I could weld. I wasn't particularly skilled with a metal lathe, but I could use one. So if you told me that you wanted me to turn some piece of brass into something and you gave me the dimensions, I could make it. Uh, say, you know, hey, I've got this, this piece of wood. I want to make spindles for my, you know, one of my spindles in my stairwell broke. I need another one. I could make one of those. Okay. And now, of course, I had to have the machine. But, but the point being, I could do all of these things and I couldn't drive a car yet. Okay. Yeah. So these and and I mean these are skills that you know thirty years, forty years later, uh, every now and then I still use. I when I decided to build a rebreather, uh, I had to also have the skills to do the the software and the hardware to design the controller for it. But I, in addition, I had to make a a large number of small parts, and I bought a little metal lathe, tabletop size one. And I used it to make those small parts, some out of metal, some out of, out of plastic. But without knowing how to use one of those things, I, there's, there's no possible way I could have ever done that. Yeah, I, I know, I'm always, uh, I took one wood shop thing at a, at a park district, which I thought was pretty cool. But then they didn't have an advanced. I don't know why they didn't. But I mean, I'm, I mean in Maris, we were, especially in the honors class, we were <clears throat> strictly, you know, two chemistries, two this, two that, and everything was a college prep. But I... I would have loved to have had some of the other stuff. I mean, uh, I don't know about welding. I don't know how much welding you do with the rest of your life, but surely to any kind of a woodworking or anything. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I would. I don't. I don't. I don't see the the, the 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 disparity one versus the other. But I will say that I remember in those days. I mean, Chicago, the South Side. For those people don't remember, I mean, we had on oh, Cicero. You had uh, the Hawthorne plant. Which, which every conceivable thing in the, in the telephone industry was made in that plant, from phones to cabling yeah. to everything. And I bet they had, it was, it was 24-7, I think, for at least six days a week, uh, Carl, and I'm going to say 35,000 people worked there, some massive number. Southworks and the, and the uh, steel and all the places that went along with it, along 106th Street there, there had to be, you know, how many thousand people were there. Pullman had a couple thousand or 1,500. Ream, they made hot water. I mean, you name it. And all the places that supported these places, we're, we're talking thousands and thousands of people making, you know, a, a, in those days, a middle-class wage. And it all disappeared over about a six-year period, six or seven. And I'm going to say that if you're a parent that was working in one of those places and maybe got laid off, you, you, you have to be some kind of a ninny to not tell your kids, hey, there's a better road for you. You better go to college because if you're an accountant, there's always going to be accountants or something like that. And the idea then for the for for dad to say, I want you to do the same thing I did. Oh, by the way, I'm out of work with no no place to go. It. I mean, I think there was a reason for it. It wasn't just, you know, foolish thought. It, it, well, no, I, I agree with you there. But but here's here's an important point. Okay, so I you know, my my career such as it has been uh, ended up being doing hardware and software in the computer industry. 
Okay, so I mean, what I do nowadays is is once in a while when I find something interesting, I do contract work for people because I'm expensive enough that hiring me as a frontline guy to write code for you, uh, people don't want to pay what I charge. But when you get yourself in trouble and you need somebody who can come in and put in 10 or 20 hours into something and it would it would take the, the nut jobs from India uh, 400 hours to do the same thing if they could even do it and actually succeed, uh, you know, I occasionally get those phone calls even today. Here's the thing, though. When I started doing that, uh, I, like every other schlub in the world, had to get in my car and go to work in the morning. So I didn't have any money because I was at the bottom of the ladder like everybody else is when they start. And I had an old AMC Pacer. That was what I was driving. Because yeah, those things that was all the money I could afford to buy. I mean, it was a car. It started, it ran, uh, and it got me to my job. you got to have a picture of you in that car. Those things are butt ugly. Oh, good Lord. Uh, you know, fishbowl is what a lot of people call them. Is that the one with the big... The they had the little one that looked like a, a little Volkswagen Rabbit. Then they had the big one that had looked like a big... It had a... Uh, a goldfish bowl. Yeah, it was the big, the big, huge round roof. <clears throat> yeah. That, oh was, God. that was, yeah. So, and one day I come out and it's, it's when I'm driving, it's, it's got this weird shimmy and a, and a funny noise. I get back to the house when I'm done with my work and, and it's barely light out. I get a flashlight, I look up underneath and realize that one of the, the suspension brackets is broken free from the frame. Well, I didn't have any money. But what I did have was a friend of mine that had a welder. So guess who was able to go to work the next day who otherwise wouldn't have been oh, able yeah. to go? I have, a, I have a politically incorrect story for you. That if I could, if I could recreate it, if I had... I don't even know how to use my thing on my, my phone, but if I were to take a picture of this, Carl, it would, it, would be, it would be today on Twitter. It would be absolutely spectacular. I was... And I went somewhere. I was, I was a girlfriend at the time, my mother... I took shopping, and I go, hey, the ball game's on. You go shop. I'll just wait in the parking lot. So I'm out there listening to the Cubs, and all of a sudden, <coughs> there's, this, there's this pacer. <laughs> These three, shall we say, uh, uh, spatially challenged ladies come, come waddling waddle, waddle out of the place. And it couldn't have happened like any other time, Carl. All four of them opened the doors, and all, th all four fannies hit the seat at the exact same moment. The car just dropped like a rock. Without one person getting into the other, it was the funniest thing I ever, I ever saw. I mean, oh, it's, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and, and uh, don't get me wrong, it covers a complete piece of crap. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. But, but it got me to work, okay, which, uh, you know, I mean, if, if no work, no money, no apartment, no food, you know, <laughs> no electricity. So, yeah. Um, and And that's one of the things that that you lost when you got rid of this. When, when my kid went to school, any hint of any kind of anything other than go to college was just gone. Yeah. And, and it's still gone, and it's stupid. And it has nothing to do with whether or not you personally decide to go to college, and that's what you choose to do because that's the, you know, for whatever field, and that's the path you want to be on. But we have also, we have changed things so dramatically. You know, you talk about, you know, Pullman gone, all these other, you know, manufacturing outfits gone. It's absolutely true, and, and all these people got tossed out in the street and had nowhere to go. We, we have continued to do this, and now what you're looking at today is the, the consequence of, you know, same thing that would having happened with, with energy 
You didn't just shut the plant down. You bulldozed it. It's gone. It's gone. It's, it's gone. It's not just not just it's, three it's, shifts yeah, to one. Turn yeah. it back on. Yeah. So the thing is, you know, I mean, you look at the, the you look at the energy situation that's going on over in Europe. These people took their coal-fired power plants. Okay, they're not as clean as the you know as the other ones, and but they work. They produce electricity. You put fuel into them, they produce electricity. And they didn't just shut them off, but keep them around and maintain them. They turned them off and they took the bulldozer to them and flattened them, and they're gone. Same thing happened so in now, Chicago. Gee, everything will be fine. We'll become dependent on this other place. Well, this other place happens to be Russia. And then, all of a sudden, Russia and they, along with everybody else, have a disagreement where suddenly that supply that they became dependent upon is no longer stable. So now you have a situation this that's, that's happening right now over in Europe, through the entirety of Europe, where virtually every small business down to the local corner pub has seen their power costs go up by a factor of five. Yep, yep. And, and oh, by the way, that's not going to go away in, you know, in a day, a week, a month, or a year, or whatever, because it can't. They can't turn around and say, well, we're just going to turn the coal plants back on, and, uh, you know, I mean, we'll deal with the fact that they're not as environmentally friendly as we'd like. Uh, but they produce electricity, and this way you will have electricity this winter. Uh, no, you can't do that because you tore them down. So we, we in this country are going to get an object lesson of what happens when you do stupid things like this. We're going to get to watch Europe go through this, and and their economy, believe me, within the next two to three months, this isn't going to take until the dead of winter, because it's already happening over there in terms of the bill changes and the, and the pricing changes. Without energy, you have nothing. And I've said this for, for <laughs> forever, <laughs> since I yeah, started publishing well. stuff. Behind every unit of economic output is a unit of energy. I don't care whether you like it or not, that's a fact. And every single advancement that society has made has come on the back of improving the quality of energy that is available to it and lowering the price. And that is how we have gotten, we've gone all the way from chopping down wood and making campfires all the way up to having cars and nice houses and computers and everything else. And all of this relies on that. All these data centers that are out there that power the payment networks, they power the internet, they power you know all the, the so-called Bitcoin miners and all this other nonsense, social media, everything else. The amount of electricity that those those places consumed is unbelievable, and electricity is arguably among consumer and common use is the highest quality form of energy available because it can be used for almost anything. Raw heat is to a large degree. Uh, the, the quality has to do with the output temperature of whatever it is that you burn. And that is one of the reasons that natural gas is superior to coal, uh, is that in addition to having more energy in it per unit of the thing that you consume, uh, the temperatures are extremely high, so you can use combined cycle and your efficiency is higher. That's, it, it, but we, we have gotten away from, from just basic physical understanding of these facts, and there's nothing you can do about them. Let's look at the Chicago situation because I'm, I'm surely no expert, but we had three traditional coal plants in the city. One was in Pilsen, which was like the original plant that was built here. And uh, actually, if you go to the the GE 
museum. Where's Where's G? Somewhere in New York. Somewhere up there. Are they in Yank? Where are they? The G uh, headquarters. Anyway, somewhere in New York. And uh, and the Sam Insull, who was <laughs> wasn't the world's greatest guy, but he was ahead of uh, Commonwealth Edison at the time. And he's the reason why there was a public utility holding company company act because he was such a whatever. But he wanted this Pilsen plant to uh, have a or the, the the wheel that turns around that does all the uh, you know the spinning does all the stuff. Yeah. He, he wanted a wheel so big that it had never been even designed yet. And he told Cam, uh, uh, GE that you make it if it doesn't work, uh, I'll pay for it anyway. The reason why they thought it wasn't going to work is the thing was so big and spun so fast that the outside part of the wheel was going to break the sound barrier. Right, you know, so and, there's a pro- yeah, there's yeah. a mechanical problem with that. So they right. th- well, they thought there would be. It turned out, I guess there wasn't. But anyway, there's there's this plant, and then there was the Crawford plant. There was one built right on the border of the uh, Chicago or Illinois and Indiana, right on the uh, to the left of the railroad tracks, right on the lake down down south. And there were three of these coal plants in the city, so they're they're all down. Uh, but now, Commonwealth Edison, of course, sleaze bags that they are, uh, sells them to somebody. And then decides later that they don't want to use dirty energy or something. So they didn't take the hit on it. The people they sold them to, I guess, I, yeah, some story there. But, by, but when they were about to tear them down, uh, Carly said it would take X number of million dollars to bring them up to current environmental standards. Now, I guess my question to you is, and if you don't know the answer, uh, I assume you, I, I always think you're like the professor on Gilligan's Island, you know everything. If you brought them up to the best standards today, how how dirty are they still? I mean, obviously they're still dirtier than a gas plant, but how dirty are well, they? Well, so that's so yeah. So basically, the, the the issue with coal generally is that coal has contaminants in it. Okay, so when you dig it out of the ground, it's not just coal. There's other things in there. Um, one of the things that's in there is thorium, which happens to be a fertile material. In other words, if you bombard it with neutrons, it becomes fissile and you can use it for nuclear power. As it comes out of the ground, it is not a fuel. But it can be turned into one, just like you can take uranium-238, which is not fissile, you can bombard it with neutrons, it turns into plutonium-239, and plutonium-239 is a nuclear fuel. You can also make bombs out of that. Uh, So, the problem with the thorium in coal is that thorium like many other things that are in that category, emits alpha particles. And if it gets into your lungs, it causes lung cancer. So essentially all the lung cancer risk that comes from coal-fired power plants, that's where it comes from. Okay? Now, coal also has other things in it which are not nice. One of them is mercury. And so that's thus all the scrubbers and the modern technology that cleans up these plants and the reason it's there is because the exhaust, without them, has what we now consider to be unacceptable quantities of these pollutants. And these pollutants go into the air, and then you breathe them, and bad things happen. So you can put these scrubbers on there, and by today's standards, um, because of the ratchet job that has been done by the federal government, it is essentially impossible to meet the current EPA standards. This is why these plants have been shut down. It is not that they don't work. It is not that they're not viable. It's that just like what what has been done with automobiles and diesel trucks, where they said, well, you know, diesel trucks produce too much nitrogen oxide. Uh, That's a very serious problem, NOx. 
Uh, and so as a result, you have to have these after treatments, uh, you know, the, the, the diesel exhaust fluid and stuff like this in order to cut this down. Fine. And, and NOx is bad news, okay, among other things, it produces smog. But then what the EPA has done and the government has done is continually ratchet these standards higher. They've never gotten to a certain point and say, okay, we stop. Well, at some point, you get to the point that you've, you've removed 99.5% of everything that used to come out of the smokestack, and they say, no, but 995 is not good enough. It has to be 99.9. And that next point four is, is you know, five times the price of getting the rest of it out of there. So at, at what point do you say there's, you know, we've, we've got what's economically reasonable to remove, and now we're going to make a societal choice. Are we going to have reasonably clean and available energy at a reasonable cost? And if you want to look at the, you look at the history of this, anybody that didn't realize that natural gas has ridiculous price changes over time, 10 to 1 or worse, over relatively short periods of time, all you got to do is look at a long-term chart of natural gas prices. These spikes happen constantly. Every few years, there's one of them. And, and there are three or four of them back in the last 20 years that have been ruinously bad if you're on the wrong end of them. Coal has never had that happen. And within this country, we have 500 years' worth of it that is reasonably recoverable on an economic basis. And that's not even including the stuff in Illinois because it's too high sulfur. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm saying, you know, we have that. But the thing is, we could take, we could use it thermally as we you know as we always did to make power at the same time we could we could finish the work that was started in the 1960s extract the thorium use that as nuclear fuel use the coal to produce synthetic oil and gas so now we have now we have gasoline we have diesel fuel we have a 500 year supply of this in the united states now, would it be the cheapest energy that you've ever seen? No. But you'd know what the price was going to be for the next 400 years. Kyle, how, how bad was, uh, we have to go over, we're going to break early because we got these numbers coming up. I have a quick a question yeah. for you. When they, when they first put, <laughs> here's, here's what I'm going to drop on the listeners. When they first put the Moffat Tunnel in, uh, and actually I'm sure it was like this, a lot of the, the uh, tunnels in the Sierra Nevada, when those, those things used coal, they said that the, the ash, when it landed on the on the rails, caused the rails to corrode very fast. What is in it that causes steel to corrode? Sulfur, and when you burn when you burn something that contains sulfur, it makes sulfuric acid from the because sulfuric acid is H two S O four, and there's H and there's O in the in the air in the form of water vapor. So if you don't. So they said they had to replace the rails like. Every couple of years, and as soon as they went to oil-fired locomotives, uh, and now diesel, they don't have to replace the rails hardly ever. Right, basically. and that's it. But that, I mean, uh, but that's one of the reasons for the scrubbers, and to, you know, it, that's that's the whole point of cleaning up this technology is that you can get ninety-nine, you know, ninety-nine percent of it. You want that last one percent? It's it's. I mean, is it functionally possible? Maybe, but it's economically impossible. Well, and then when you also have to look at the uh, the thing you're. Switching over to is never totally clean either. Well, that's right, and and so and and the other thing is that you, you also have to realize that all fuels functionally are batteries. They are not they are not a source of energy. They are a battery. 
It's just that the stuff that we dig out of the ground, the energy that went in to charge the battery, went in you know, five million years ago. Well, yeah. Um, so what are, you, what, are you, what are you expecting on these numbers? We'll see how right you are when we come back from break. Well, I'll tell you what. If you, if you look at the ADP number, um, I would be hard-pressed to believe anything bigger than 250, but ADP is, is often full of something dark and smelly. Although, And this, this last release, just a couple of days ago, uh, was the first one after they rejiggered it. So now I, you know, I haven't had time to recalibrate how inaccurate they're going to be. <laughs> well, let's head off the break so we can back. We'll do the numbers. Let's do a short break, Matt. Try to get back by 7.30. SP Futures up 4. Nancy Futures down 2. I'll be right back with the numbers. Support the Stocks and Jocks team. Hats, T-shirts, sweatshirts, jackets, and Chiefs' favorite, the Stocks and Jocks ladies thong, all available at our online store. Just go to StocksandJocks.com and click the link to order any amount of great Stocks and Jocks merchandise for yourself and any other Stocks and Jocks listener in your life. The prices are affordable and the selection is out of the park. The Stocks and Jocks online store at StocksandJocks.com. I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates and a good inventory make adding bricks and mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Right now. Well, back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Al. Matt Byrne on the board. S&P futures are all over the place, but are up 25. NASDAQ futures up 76. This happening. numbers came out the Lead number is 315, but we'll get to that in a minute. It's it is the oddest numbers I've ever seen on this uh, on the on the chart that I use that Carl tells me not to use. But we'll get we'll get to that again like we do every week mm-hmm. over in Asia every month. Nikkei <laughs> down 10, call that flat. Shanghai up one, call that flat. Hang Seng, however, down another 0.7 percent, 145 points. 
19,452, a long way from 20,000 they're getting. We're in Europe, we've got DAX up 166, 1.3%, FTSE up 50.7, CAC around up 54.9. So those guys are, are pretty much bullish today. Uh, they, I don't think they caught the turnaround yesterday like we did, so they're kind of catching up. Uh, bonds, 10-year uh, down 1 uh, basis point, 3.25. Uh, the bond up 1, 1.57. Japan unchanged at 0.24. We got oil up a buck 40, but still under 90 bucks, 88.01. Brent up 136, 93.72. Natural gas down 24 cents, but still over 9 at 9.01. Arbab up 4 cents, 243. We got gold up 670. Hey, gold a little bit of a bounce. How about a dead cat bounce? 17.16 silver. Uh, up 12 cents, 1779, still a waste from 1800, $18 on $1,800. Uh, copper down a penny, 339. We've got uh, Bitcoin up 377 now to 20,205, back over the $20,000 number. And we have the US, uh, US dollar on this number. The euro is back up over a buck, a buck and one hundredth of a cent or one thousandth of a cent. Hmm. Matt, what do you got for us, Trevor Weather Sports? Good morning. Currently 7.32 a.m. on Friday, September 2nd, 2022. The MLB yesterday, White Sox win 7-1 against Kansas City Royals. Diamondbacks win against Milwaukee 5-0. Uh, Cubs on break come back tonight to face off against St. Louis. Uh, game starts at 7.15 p.m. Now for weather in Chicago, currently mostly cloudy, 71 degrees, a high of 86, and a low of 71. In Phoenix, mostly cloudy, currently 86 degrees, a high of 104, and a low of 84. Now for traffic in Chicago, traffic eastbound on the Eisenhower between Wolf Road to Central Avenue. Keep in mind an accident before Central Avenue around exit 23B. Expect delays up to 30 minutes. Traffic eastbound on the Kennedy between Cumberland to Foster Avenue. Uh, picks up again at West Irving Road to downtown. Heavy traffic westbound on the Dan Ryan between East 35th Street to the Jane Bird Interchange downtown. Traffic northbound on the Stevenson between, oh actually that uh, starts right before Illinois Route 171 and continues to just before South Kedzie Avenue. And finally, traffic northbound on the Lakeshore between East 18th Drive to Randall Street. So I got Chief, back to you. Um, Kyle, what do you make of these numbers? They got an unemployment rate, I, I've never seen them move in this direction. Uh, unemployment rate, I got 3.7. Amazingly, they have... 600,000 people coming out of the we don't know what they're doing number either entering the employment stuff or actually entering un- unemployed if you're how do you how do you get how do you become counted as unemployed if you're if you're past that stage and you're into we don't know what you're doing all of a sudden you start looking for a job again how do you get back in the counted for unemployed number well it's, that's a, a load of dark smelling stuff you know where it normally goes yeah um, I, okay, so there's there's a number of things. So the unadjusted number is neg three fifty three, which is horrible. Um, well, August is not usually a firing month. Um, it's it's relatively soft on a regular basis, but not in the last couple of years have been a quite a distortion because of you know all the pandemic stuff. But if you go back and you look before that time. Um, you see, you see an unadjusted number that that tends to be slightly negative, but only in context. So, the, the bigger problem is is what I don't, what I really don't like here is is on the run rate versus population. Okay, which is and this is month by month. Uh, it's neg five twenty five. Now. Uh, <laughs> Boy, that—that's um, you know, 
is, the, is this a re- it's not a recessionary print yet, but you've got a tenth that came off the employment population ratio. You got a tick that came off, which is about right. It's about five hundred. When that's each of those ticks is about five hundred thousand people. So that's you know I mean that squares the the internals. The internals match what I'm seeing in the raw numbers. Uh, when you take the ratios that you know you expect to see, there the relationships are there. The other thing, though, that's just, that's a little bit of a problem is that on the goods-producing side, uh, average hourly earnings were only up two cents. Is that now? Good? That's <laughs> boy, oh boy, in an, in an inflationary environment, that that ain't very good, right? Carl, there's there's people here. I say here, in Chicago in the last month, I remember one of the groups was a group that does all the grabbing racks out of quarries, right, to make concrete. And the other right. one was uh, either Caterpillar or Deer or somebody. They both have three new three-year union contracts with 15% over three years. They're not, they're going to be, they're going to be in a recession for three years with those numbers. Yeah, and well, the other thing that's interesting is that non-durable goods hourly earnings actually were down two cents. Right now, the numbers I look at, if, you, if you're just a schlub looking at these numbers, you're looking at the ones I'm looking at, which is the A1 report. We've got the, the population, non-institutional population is up like 170,000 people. We, we actually have the, the people that are uh, in the labor, uh, potentially in the, civ- in the civilian labor force, we've got, these are the three numbers that, make, that sort of make sense. You've got 164 million that are, are allegedly trying to be working. Out of those, 158 million are working, and six million are unemployed. Then you got this other 99 million that we don't know what the hell they're doing. Students, retired, right. you name it. Well, that number is the first time I think I've seen that number come down like this, Carl. So essentially, well, that's all adju- that's all statistical adjustment because if you look at the non the non seasonal number on the left side, um, not in labor force number went from 98,690 to 99,213 on an unadjusted basis. All right. So how how, how do we get off? And, that, and that's that's where they're getting. See, this is this is why I don't like these uh, you know these so-called seasonally adjusted numbers. That's why I always use the annualized run rates. And yeah, that means I'm a little slower you know behind the ball when I'm when I'm looking at this. But there's there's just too much game playing that can go on when you start trusting these black boxes. What uh, so what would possibly be the algorithm in August to get you from? Three hundred thousand negative to three hundred fifteen thousand positive. Well, what they're essentially their argument is that oh, the, the end of August. But, but remember again, <laughs> and this is why it's it's loosey goosey. Their argument is at the end of August. The uh, you know all the people that were working uh, but are of college age go back to school. Okay, and all those people that were you know were fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. They're still in high school. They all go back to school, so they come out of the employed bucket, and and that's you know August September is when that happens. It happens every year. Um, what I what I look at though is is you know and and by the way, if you look at some of the other internal numbers, for example, the educational you know employed status by educational attainment, which is one of the ones I've been flagging for a long time because it shows the hollowing out of the center. Uh, you do see that, yeah, indeed. I mean, you know, that happens every August, and, and that's what happened this August too. Okay, so I mean, there's there's some basis to this from an algorithmic perspective. 
Um, but I would not call this a strong report. Now, I, I think what you're <laughs> I think what you're seeing, if I look at the uh, you know the reaction of the market, um, the reason you're seeing the futures up is because people think that, that Powell's going to stop raising interest rates. That's a, that's the whole talking head story for the last two weeks. Is and you can't believe the guy is never going to be that. But I mean, how does the uh, the adjustment? I mean, I, I'm asking this probably because you have a clue, but not because they're giving you the formula. I mean, when I when I was in school a long, long time ago, Carl, the even a place like Notre Dame sort of had, <clears throat> I would say, blue collar roots, where they they sort of maximized the summer break because they thought people were working, I mean, right. and, and and people did work. I mean, I, I was always home before Memorial Day. The first day of school was after <clears throat> Labor Day, so this well, weekend, yeah. yeah, this weekend I'd be I'd be loading up the old '66 F85 and heading down on Sunday to pack my dorm crap, right? right. Now, I don't think they give anybody a chance. Everybody's back to school for two weeks already. Nobody cares if you don't get back till the middle of June. The I don't even think people think that with $70,000 tuition, I mean, I could make $1,200 over the summer, and the tuition was three grand. Right. It was so a significant you, yeah, number. You made a third of it or more. Or I made it, certainly made enough. I never, never once in four years... Even though my, my parents, because of this, the uh, dependent children stuff money they got from uh, my dad dying young, that essentially paid for my Notre Dame education. Never once did I have to write home for 20 bucks for a beer or something. Because I, right. all that stuff I did in the summer and when I came home for Christmas break, that covered my gas, you know, whatever, uh, you know, parking tickets for the, for the uh, sticker for the car, all that kind of crap was all on me, books and and it worked. That was a great relation. Never once did I have to say, "Gee, I can't go out with the guys this week because I don't have ten bucks for a beer and have somebody send me ten bucks in the mail." I don't think that's even possible today. But, but the schools helped out. But now they don't. But so I mean, in somewhere that algorithm has to have changed in the last fifty years because I know a lot of kids who go to college and don't know what the J word is, Carl. I mean, uh, oh, I, oh, yeah, you're, <laughs> gee, you're not kidding, right? Yeah. I mean, it's I, I just. You know, like I said, I look at this. I don't see a recession print here. What I see is a very soft market, and and then I look around me, and I see the traffic levels in the local area. I look at the data that's coming in. Um, there's a dichotomy that is that is widening in the fuels area that is extremely worrisome, and that is that that I wouldn't be surprised if gasoline gets quite cheap over the winter, but diesel does not come down. Why, why is that? Can't you can you switch the uh, refinery to get more diesel and less gas? No, it doesn't work that way, Chief. If you take if you take a barrel of oil and you put a barrel of oil in a refinery, the crack that is the percentage of the different things that comes out, you can shift it a little bit with a catalytic unit, but you can't shift it a lot. What's I'm saying? Take a barrel of oil and say I want all gasoline. No, no, I, a barrel I, of oil it doesn't work that I way. I get, I get, you get that. This much diesel, you get this much oil, you get this much lubricating oil. And and you get you know all these other products that come off of it. I get that, but I thought you could uh, tweak it some, like ten percent or five percent or something. Yeah, you, yeah, you could at, at significant cost. Okay? okay, that's what the catalytic unit does is allows you to change the crack a little bit, but it's expensive because it uses a lot of energy to run it. And on top of that, the amount of adjustment you can get, the shift you can get, is only about five or ten percent. That's all there is. I got a, a a quick quick weird story for you. And the when I use the, the the term the J word, I don't know if you, 
I'm sure you, you probably knew. They probably heard me use that before. You know, yeah. you know where I got it from. Who? Uh, one of the guys he's been on my show, my buddy who moved to Singapore. Well, I stood up in his wedding, right? And we got the reception was at the old Como Inn. Remember that place? Uh, it was there forever and ever. They, all the people drank during the day at lunch and whatever. You know, all these weddings and stuff. So I'm in the wedding, so I'm sitting up at the the big honcho table, and and she's got a spot with the you know everybody else. We're sitting at this table with these these three guys that are brothers. They're, they made me look like a kid. They're all like six, seven, three hundred pounds. They all played football somewhere. And they got their wives. And these guys are all making big dough. They're working for Arthur Anderson before it went under, of course. And one of the, one of the ways they got an Audrey, of course, is blue cut blue she's worked her whole life. When she went to high school, when she went to college, she always worked. And she's not afraid of work. She's terrific. Um, she's sitting with these ladies and they go, Well, we're not going near the J word. And Audrey goes, What's the J word? And she goes, job, honey. We're not going near the, our deal is we never going to work. That's why we married these guys or something like that. We're not going near the J word. I, I never heard it before then. Just saying. Well, you know. But yeah, I mean, I just, I see this, uh, what's, what I see in here, like I said, it's not, you know, it's not a recession print, but it's extremely weak by comparison. And, and to see the, you know, everyone says, "Well, you know, we're back. You know, we're back to where we were prior to the pandemic." And that's that's a load of nonsense. We're not, and the employment population ratio. No, we're not. No, we're not close. What is? How do you, uh, Karen um, was on the other day, and I, I, I was going to try and quote you, but I forgot what you had said. Uh, she was mentioning about she knows people where the guy's got two jobs and the wife has one. And uh, Nancy was talking about that last week when she gives mortgages out. She's like, not only can neither one of the two carry the mortgage, but Neither one of the two without the guy's second job or the wife's second job can carry the two. If if I have if I have two or three jobs, which some people have, is that counted as three jobs? Um, well, in theory, it should, but it you you would think that they would try to you know try to not have that happen, right? Because employed is employed, right? No matter how many jobs you you have, very very hard to do that at the BLS. Because the BLS is a survey. Well, my guess would so, be that you would be counted as I mean, three jobs. Here's, here's the thing, Chief. You got to you know you have two surveys, right? You have employment, you have population, right? Employer survey that 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 survey doesn't account for duplicates. They, they count as two. Uh, so I'm working for Menards in the morning and delivering pizzas at night. You call a pizza joint up. Yeah, he's working here. Call Menards up. Yeah, he's working here. But if you call well, my house, ask, uh, is he working here? And say, how many people do you have employed? Right. Okay. And then, and then right. they call my house. My wife, if I had one, is going to say, "Yeah, he's working." <clears throat> and now it's one. Right. And and so so therefore you count on the on the population survey. You count as one job because you're working. Okay. But on the establishment survey, they're. <laughs> They, they don't turn around and say, give me all the social security numbers. Of <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. That's not how that works. They say, how many people are working in the plant? Oh, they don't, they don't throw out the duplicates. But what, what if, what well, if the wife says, do it. what if the wife says, he's not only working, he has two jobs. Do they account for that? Or so we don't care about that. We just want to know he's working. I have no idea. I've never, I've never actually gotten one of those calls. Me neither. When, it, when I was running my company, we never actually got hit by the survey. Does so it, I don't know if they would, if, you know, and, and I've never gotten one personally. Well, does it ever, does it ever kind of make you nervous? Um, whether it's TV ratings, radio ratings, 
whatever it is, if you never go, anybody who's ever been asked whether they listen to this station or watch this TV thing, you never had anybody with a monitor, do you believe the numbers? Have you never known anybody who's ever been asked? You know, I don't. And, and so you got to wonder. You know, they say, here's, here's the thing that's interesting about this. You know, supposedly this is the representative sample, uh, the, the, the allegedly representative sample, um, is supposed to be large enough to, to, you know, be able to get statistical validity out of it. Well, you would think, because it's done every month, right, so it's 12 a year, you would think that over the space of, you know, I've been a working schlub, of working schlub age for, you know, 40-ish years now, right? you think that somewhere in those 40 years I would have gotten called. Or somebody you knew would have gotten called. Well, well, but what is that, 400 samples? Yeah. I mean, 400 times the sample has been taken, and not only have I never gotten a call, no one I know has ever gotten a call. Well, plus if you, I actually did take some statistics back in my day. Uh, I was never very good at it. Um, but it, the, the whole idea is you, you, you can't just ask anybody. You've got to ask a random number of people, and if you don't, your survey is right. kind of useless. And uh, you know, I don't know, are, do these guys do a good job? I mean, I don't know. I, you know, I don't. I don't know that they do a good job, and it's it's one of the things. There's there's not enough exposed data for me to be able to to have an opinion on whether or not it's just made up. Yeah, I, mean, I would think it probably. I'm gonna I'm gonna lob one out there and say, you can say that the CTA is all messed up. You know, how the, how it's run. But still, 90% of the people, you go out and you see a, a very courteous bus guy or bus lady doing their job just like they're supposed to do or train guys. I'm sure that in the whoever does this survey, the people that actually do it show up and try and do a good job, Carl. I mean, hopefully we're still doing that in America. It's just somewhere between the raw data and, and what they give, us, give to us, there seems to be some sort of a, a an editorial process. <laughs> Is that a fair statement? I well, I, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, I think I think you have to, in the general sense, you have to have a basic belief that that at least from a methodological standpoint, in theory, what they're doing has has some kind of makes some kind of sense. Oh, uh, I mean, I don't I, think so. I, I'm not saying that there's a political bias involved because I suspect there probably is, um, and it, and in in some cases, especially when there's an election coming, uh, that, that may be intentional. But the idea that, that you can get away with that on a permanent basis forever and never get back to the mean somewhere, well, uh, no, that doesn't work. Okay, I mean, we all know that. Eventually you get caught, and, and you get caught because you have to reverse out whatever it is that you did. You know, I mean, you, you get a real sample at some point, you look at it and you go, well, wait a minute, I can't publish this. This says there's, you know, 8 million people missing. <laughs> well, this, this last two months, actually the last few months, we, according to this here, the one I'm looking at, uh, we are we are above the December of 2019 number. Now maybe that February number of 2020 was a little higher, but basically we're 157.5 in December of 2019 before COVID, and now we've been over 158 for well for really you know how many months? But if we look at the total number here, common uh, on this one again, you're telling we're only 250,000 more than we were in March. Because we had that right. big down but, month. But the thing is, yeah, but be careful here because, and this is, you know, we keep hearing from people all the time. 
that oh you know we're we're getting older and grayer and the population is is collapsing no it's not the the facts are that the civilian non-institutional population rises and goes up quite a bit and in fact on an annualized basis as of this month uh, it's up two and a half almost 2.6 million so and this is just in the last 12 months this is in the last year so if you take a look at at, at that number from uh, you know from 2021-08 August it's 261-611 today it's 264-184 okay that's that's uh, <laughs> it is what it is so the thing is is that when you look at the employed number you have to put those people back in because those are people who came of age who became 16 years or older well that's exa- I have the exact same numbers I have uh 261.6, so you're right, 2.6 million people more since last August. Right. In, in the employment number, we've got essentially 5.5 million more. We've got 2.3 million less in um, unemployment, and we got about 700,000 less, and we don't know what they're, they're doing. So those, those numbers kind of sort of make sense. Yeah, they do. But but when people look at the employment level and say we're we're basically back to where we were before the pandemic, that's BS because you're not accounting for the people who went from not being 16 to being 16 or older during that period of time. Which is about 2.6 million people. It's you know, it's so if I go all the way, if I go to the first, let's see, we'll we'll call it March of 2020. Okay, I was doing I was doing August right? the last I was doing August the last year. Right, so yeah, yeah, but I'm saying if you, you know, if you if you look at when did the pandemic start from a standpoint yeah. of employment, that's your benchmark. In March of 2020, the civilian non-institutional population was 259,758. Right, so you 264,184. That's five. That's that's roughly five million. Right, so you're 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 cheating because you you must run these things off because I my my chart here once. Once you get back to 2021, you only get the end of the year numbers. Well, right, that's because I keep them in a spreadsheet so that they can't play games with me on uh, you know retrospective basis. Yeah, I mean you're you're cleverer than me. <laughs> I, I, the last monthly number I have is a year ago, so last August. Right. So, um, what what do you make of you know? I've mentioned heard Kevin and I talking, and actually Karen earlier in the week, uh, where she's talking about because of well, she thinks in Chicago, like we talked about earlier. It was a bad idea to get rid of vocational school. But you're getting a, a seemingly like a major unmatch of what people what people need. I mean, I talk to my nephew every Sunday. My brother has dinner, and he's in the machinery business. And everybody who needs, I mean, you know, we got a lot of small machine shops still left in Chicago. People that do various things, and uh, and he actually, you know, what, he took a tour of the Tootsie Roll plant, and they're doing some work for Tootsie Roll because they're going back and uh, you know, you know. You know how many Tootsie Roll Pops they do an hour there? There's only one Tootsie Roll plant in the whole world. I had no idea. I thought they had a bunch, but they only have one. Really? And uh, you know how many Tootsie Roll Pops they do in an hour? Uh, no. 30,000? Wow. Oh, wow. In the, in, the, in the whole building, between the Pops, the little Tootsie Rolls, the big ones, 600,000 pieces of candy a day come out of the place. Oh, that's, uh, well, okay. Serious stuff. But, I mean, every one of these places... And, and, you know, and you understand this, and Matt, because he's listening now more, I understand a little bit from working a couple of manufacturing places, but if somebody says I need 20 widgets a week instead of 12, that's fine, 
but you might need another machine, you might need a conveyor, you might need something. Right. I mean, all this stuff in what my nephew's firm does, which is kind of fortunate because the guy who runs the place and is the main driver, he's got awful brain cancer, so uh, I wish him all the best, but uh, people are walking in the door saying, can you make this for me? Can you make this conveyor? Can you make this overhead dryer thing for whatever? They, there, there is so much business in that area, and he says the shortage of like machine mechanics, all those guys are 65, they're all retiring. You know, yep. sh- I mean, but, but we've done nothing to. I mean, if 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 we put our mind to it, like like Kevin's school is in Indiana, we still have to be, because none of these. The weird part is, uh, Kyle, none of these places are Pullman. They're not big enough to say we'll just hire them and we'll train them. No, nobody right. has two extra people to to teach three other people how to do stuff. I mean, it's it's it, we're kind of at the all the, these places are all like the wrong size. It, you know. Well, you're you're in that spot though because. The the alternative is that we've we've hollowed out so much that for a smaller mid-sized shop to be able to do that is is not economically viable. No, and so it doesn't matter whether they want to; they can't. Well, he said they got a, mach- a machine mechanic at one place was making thirty bucks an hour, and he just left. He's making fifty because yeah. I mean it's not even. You know, place they're buying them, and all of a sudden now you start working your machines harder. The maintenance is more, right? I mean, Pullman head guys would maintain their own stuff. I mean, well, they, you they, take a you take a look at what just happened. Uh, you know, in, in uh, Missouri or, or Mississippi, Jackson, yeah, um, where there was essentially no maintenance and upkeep and sinking funds, and you know all these things you're supposed to do. They didn't do it for you know for God knows how long. And the water system collapsed. Well, if you want to know why that happened and why the government was allowed to have that happen, it's because it happened in Alabama right after the the start of the great financial crisis, in 0809 time frame. The very same sort of thing with the sewer system there happened in the Montgomery area. I wrote articles about it at the time. It was later proved that the financing that was originally put together included a bunch of bribes. Some of the people within the commu- within the government actually went to prison. So it wasn't a speculation that there were bribes. They actually were found guilty of crimes and thrown in prison. However, the people who paid the bribes, some of whom were connected to some of the biggest banks in the United States, not one of them went to jail. Oh, no, no, yeah. And on top of that, the people are still to this day getting screwed with a 300% increase in their water and sewer rates. Well, I mean, look at Illinois. We can't wait to put Madigan in jail for taking bribes to come out with Edison, but nobody can come out with Edison being indicted. Well, nobody can come out with Edison. So if you want to know why this happened again in Jackson, the reason it happened in Jackson is because the people on the other side of the transaction didn't go to jail last time. So why shouldn't, if I'm a politician, if I can find some way to not actually get caught with my, you know, with, with an envelope full of $100 bills, why shouldn't I go ahead and divert all the money somewhere else and use it and have this, oh, I'm going to be a progressive utopia. What I'm not going to do is deal with the fact that my water plant is falling apart. Carl, is there any, any kind of BS? I, I, I suspect the bridges in Chicago, I don't know if they do this anymore, were unusual because they go over a navigable waterway. And, but the maintenance costs back in the day were all in the city. But if it got so bad that it was condemned, you couldn't use it, and they needed a new bridge, 
they got most of their money from the feds. Is, is any of that stuff going on in these water treatment plants where the maintenance is on you, but if all of a sudden it collapses, you get this big rush of money from Washington or something like that? Oh, oh, probably. But then there's also all the corruption with the, remember, we've, we've had how many trillions of dollars that was supposedly for infrastructure, shovel-ready and other infrastructure projects and all these COVID bills? Well, I just read something last night about... I mean, it's been, it's been three years. Are you telling me that these people yeah. couldn't have actually done something? And, and how about just laying in some spares so that when your pumps go down, you have the parts to fix them? Well, Dan, Dan Janitas, you know, I've listened to him on Thursday, he talks about all these companies, and he looks for these mid-range places that are paying nice bond rates, but you actually need to get paid, you know, that type of thing. But, he, but he's right. meticulous. He goes out and visits these places. He doesn't recommend them before he goes. Well, he goes, some of these places should be absolutely knocking them dead with the infrastructure thing, asphalt uh, places and infrastructure places, because the, the money is really slow to get there. The projects aren't even starting yet. Yeah, it's just, it, it, you know, it's the institutionalized corruption that we've built into our political and economic system. And, and this is what always ends up happening when you start doing this kind of socialism stuff. It happens everywhere. It's how the, you know, it's how the USSR collapsed. It's how Venezuela has collapsed. It's how Argentina collapsed. It's how all these different places have collapsed. And it's, it, we have, how many times have we seen this over the last hundred years all over the world? And we're going to go down this road? Well, it, sounds like we're going, it sounds like we're going to go down the same road. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I, I just, I don't, well, well, we'll talk about it some next week. But as, as mentioned to Karen the other day, you talk to her, you talk to Keith Peacock, and he's a Republican dude. All those people seem, you know, whether you agree with all their politics or not, they seem like very legitimate people that don't have their hand out. And I asked her, what, what, what happens to these people when they get to Washington? They, they, do, the I, good, do the good yeah. people just quit or what? Hey, we'll talk about that next week. SP futures up 24. NASDAQ futures up 62. We don't know if this is, this is really a bad number and people think it's good because it's turned a Fed around or whether it's a good number. We're still trying to figure that out back on Tuesday. Remember, Monday is Labor Day. Happy long weekend, everybody. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. My advice to you, start drinking heavily.